0: I'm 75 years old I've been in the ministry 50 years, so that's the truth. Always uh, such a blessing to be here, and uh, Dorothy and I, uh, stand up, Dorothy, and let everybody see how beautiful you are. We'll be married 55 years in June, and so she was real young, but we're always blessed to be here with uh, invitation from Pastor Rick and Joanne and you know we never we never presume on anybody so it's always an honor to be here and God always does great things he's going to bless you today you're going it's going to be awesome you know if a minister doesn't think that God's going to bless people when he ministers he ought to just not minister right (laughs) what else are we here for? So <laughs> I do have a book that um, it's called, As He Is, So Are We. It's uh, 1 John 4, 17. This is my son. He's looking in a mirror and he sees Jesus. The guy in the mirror is Bruce Mas- Mas- Masarello. Masarello, something like that. <laughs> so we got his permission to use his picture and he said, one condition, you got to send me one of your books. So I said, okay, and uh, he's the one that played Jesus in the uh, Matthew series, and I told him, I said, the reason I chose you, because I said, you seem to represent Jesus better than any other actor I'd seen, so anyway, it was an honor for him to do that, and uh, this book will tell you how to be like Jesus, I mean, it really does, and uh, a lady in our church transcribed it, because I wouldn't, I'm not really a book writer, so she transcribed it put it into book form so anyway if you want to be more like jesus i want to give this book to somebody yeah. so see who see who looks needs to look like jesus uh, praise god yeah i'm always um i have a lot of pastor rick's notes and messages and um I always preach them and tell them the Holy Spirit showed me this. (laughs) But I I give you credit. Like Andrew says the first time, and then I'll... I think you have one of the best teachers in the body of Christ. I really do. I really do. And so I always come up and think, what am I going to do? You know, this here here is a teacher, but... uh, I'm not so much a teacher as, as someone who imparts to you. I'm at the age of impartation. And um, it took me some years to accept that. And the Lord started speaking to me about being a father. And I, I don't know about you, but I told him I don't want to be a father. <laughs> because it, it takes more responsibility. And, um, but you know, the Lord has made it possible and Dorothy and I have probably, I counted up one time over 60 some sons and daughters throughout the whole world and um, that, that really uh, looked to us as mom and dad and uh, I have learned that that's a privilege, that is a blessing, but also learned that what Paul said, he said, follow me as I follow the Lord, so I have a much stricter I've got to keep following the Lord because I've got a lot of people following us. And um, like Paul said, if I stop following him, for goodness sake, don't follow me anymore. And uh, I like what Andrew Murray said. How have, many have you have ever read Andrew Murray? Died back in the, he's back uh, probably late 1800s. I've got it written in the front of my Bible, but he said this, He said, the one thing I fear the most is that when I stand before the Lord, that he would say, well, you've done your own thing all your life. He said, I only want to do what he wants in my life. And um, Andrew Romack's middle name is Murray. I was playing golf one time with him and he made some bad shots and he would say Andrew Murray. So I got in a cart with him. I said, "Is your middle name Murray?" He said, "Yeah." His grandfather was named Andrew Murray after Andrew Murray. Wow. So then they named Andrew Andrew Murray after Andrew Murray. So just so next time you see, we'll say Andrew Murray. How you doing? <laughs> but. Uh, I think he would be, uh, Andrew Mur- Murray would be very honored to have Andrew named after him. Amen. Amen. Because Andrew's such a man of God. We've known him for probably 25 years, and um, he's the same. You know, no matter how, when his men- ministry back then was pretty small, Andrew and Jamie's never changed. They're just real people from Texas. <laughs> nothing good comes out of california but everything good comes out of texas i'm telling you (laughs) we have four children and of course their oldest daughter is 53 so they're not kids each one of them was born in a different state our first daughter is in kansas colorado california and then our son just born in dallas that's a place for a guy to be born, right? <laughs> so we have not moved since then. Of course, we'd be like Abraham and Sarah by now, so there's no problem. <laughs> I want to talk to you today about presence before purpose. Presence before purpose. And... Um, one of the things I've observed in my life and ministering to basically Charismatics, I started out in the Methodist church and, and for a couple of years, and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and uh, got the left hand of fellowship. <laughs> and I really did. <laughs> we ended up going to California to Mellyland School of Theology back in the mid-70s. It was right during the Jesus Movement. It was right after. How many of you have seen the movie, uh, the Jesus Revolution, and uh, it's interesting that that came out at the same time as Asbury. When I was going to seminary in Cal- in Colorado, Denver, I left school of theology one of the most liberal um, Methodist seminaries. Asbury's the most conservative uh, seminary. Well, they had a they had a revival back then, same time that uh, Chuck Smith was baptizing all the hippies and stuff. And um, what happened was the leadership at Asbury did not agree with being baptized in the Spirit and praying in tongues. So they told the students, you can't pray in tongues on this campus. So some of the students left there and came to Iliff, because in Iliff you can do anything you want literally you can be gay if you want to they don't care just come we had a gay guy by the way and I took a theology course and uh, at the end of it I got a d-minus because I said I believe in God the Father Son Holy Spirit the virgin birth I just laid it all out he said obviously you've not learned anything from this class I thought <laughs> thank God I haven't <laughs> but the uh, the gay gentleman got an A on his because he theologized and um, you don't theologize with God you either know him or you don't amen (laughs) and you're either in or you're out and I did a chapel one time a student's got to do chapels and I just gave a good old John Wesley message you got to be born again and um, they did not like that.
1: <laughs>
0: they, um, one of the professors came up. I'll never forget it. He, I could tell he was so angry. He, he could have killed me. If I'm serious, he could have stoned me. He was that angry. That religious spirit. But he shook my hand and thank you for that message. Next thing I know, I have to go talk to my dean. <laughs> I have to go to the the philosophy class and talk about you know, Jesus and whatever. It was great, man. It was awesome. And, um, you know, when you minister and live for truth, you're going to stir some devils up. And they come in human form. You understand that, don't you? You pastor a church and you run into a few of those. Got quiet. We have to learn as a body how to enjoy the greatest things a bad word but the greatest thing God has ever given us his presence God when God made Adam and Eve you know he would walk with them in a the cool of the evening and just think about them fellowshipping and how'd your day go Adam oh, it was a great day and Lord I I saw an animal I hadn't seen before and I named it really what was it it was a hippopotamus (laughs) you know you know camels didn't come along till after the fall because a camel is a horse made by a committee When I was a Methodist pastor, we had, uh, I forget how many committees. One committee did another thing that the other committee didn't do and that and did it. It was run by committees. And so I understand how a camel got into being into what it is. Started out as a horse. Because when you have committees that don't know Jesus, man, you come up with some crazy stuff. But when you have a pastor and overseers with him you have the kingdom of God working for you and we have to move from the, a church culture to a kingdom culture and the only thing the only the only thing that will bring us there is the presence of God because God made man someone on his level because he made us in his image and likeness. And he could communicate with us and talk with us so that God could talk with man, man could talk with God. There was this interaction, and that's why God made it. So when Adam fell, we all know that the presence of God, and I want you to hear these words, the presence of God was separated from him, but his purpose remained. Subdue the earth, have dominion, be fruitful and multiply. He still had his purpose, but he lost the most important thing there is. He lost the presence of God. And so it, what we have to understand is, is that presence comes before Purpose. Because out of the presence comes purpose right. but I've been in this for 50 years and I've been guilty of it too so busy wanting to fulfill my purpose I forgot about his presence he's always innocent with us we know this you've been taught spirit soul and body and but you know there is the place where even though he's in us and with us forever we don't experience that manifested presence where God, you can talk with Him and fellowship with Him and spend time with Him. And not always coming to Him, not wanting His presence as much as we want Him to tell us our purpose. I, I'm the only one that's ever done that, so just <laughs> learn from me. That's not a good deal. I, When I was a younger minister, I... I wanted to get in God's will so bad that I got out of his will trying to get into his will. <laughs> you know how you do that? Lord, show me what to do. I just want to do your will, Lord. I just want to do your will, Lord. And you never hear anything. And you always condemned because you don't think you're in his will. Because you're trying to get into his will by purpose. And so I finally realized one day that it's his presence that he's after. Purpose is automatic because that's not our—it's his purpose in us. We happen to be the vessel he works through. Thank God, we are co-laborers with him. And he will always do his part. We're the weak—you know—we're we're the weak link in this chain. Not him. We're co-laborers. He's always faithful. Sometimes we're not. So I learned, the Lord began to deal with me years and years ago about this. He said, son, I want your presence. I want your presence. And the Lord spoke to me. I'm pastoring. And he said, don't minister to the needs of my people anymore. I'm like, well, I thought that's what I did. That's my purpose, isn't it? He said, here, son your first priority is me. And he said, if you minister to me first, I'll minister through you to my people because I know their needs and you don't. (laughs) So you can look at someone and think you know what they need. And when you do that, You usually mess them up. Because you try and fix what they need according to what you think they need. Well, if you'd only do this, if you hadn't done that. Like in the old Pentecostal days when I was younger, when you get, you know, trying to get someone baptized in the Holy Spirit and it's let go. Grab hold, <laughs> you know. You don't know. Do I let go? Do I grab hold? Uh, what do I do? You know. <laughs> the body of Christ. I want to give you something that that'll really help you. The body of. Have you noticed the body of Christ doesn't always represent the head? Just look in the mirror, and you'll discover that that's true. So when Christians, there's thousands of Christians at home today because they got hurt by the body. The problem was they were looking at the body and not the head. And the body doesn't always represent the head. So you have to come in a relationship of the presence of God first because out of his presence comes everything. First Adam, a lot of Christians say, man, I, I, I wish I'd been like Adam, you know. No, you don't. Adam was a living soul. The last Adam is a life-giving spirit. You and I are life-giving spirits. And first Adam never had access to heaven. He knew nothing of heaven. He was, his domain was earth. But, he, but the, here's the thing was, he knew God. But here we are, we were born again from heaven before the foundation of the world. Our life was hid with Christ in God. So we have access to heaven and earth. We are seated now with Christ in heavenly places so we can live in his presence church i mean in his presence where daily we can talk with him commune with him not always just about our purpose you know so many times we get caught up and and our approach to god is trying to fulfill our purpose and the lord would just love to have you come and say, you know, I just love you. I'm just here to fellowship and love you, spend time with you. And I've learned that out of that comes purpose. We're under a blood covenant. How many of you know that? (laughs) Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Have you ever read that? I, I read it every week. I bet I read it more than once a week. All right, quote it. It simply says this, that the God of peace who wrought our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, he brought him back to life. He raised him up. And it says, by this blood covenant, he, the Father, will equip you with everything you need to do as will. While, this is, this is really beautiful. While He's working in you, what's pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, His Son. And we know He does that by the Spirit. So, if you really want to know the fullness of the work that God put in you, each one of you individually that was written down in heaven with your name on it before the foundation of the world, you've got to understand the promise of the blood covenant. If you're in the will of God, no matter what, whatever God's called, whether you need a, a building, if you need uh, money to go overseas, whatever you need to fulfill his will, God is obligated by covenant to provide it for you. That's so why I never pray for money. I really don't. I just got to know am I in the will of God? And when I know I'm in the will of God, then by covenant, He will supply with me with anything I need That's right. to fulfill His will, His purpose. Do you see that? See, the presence of God came before purpose. God the Father sent His Son, shed His blood, and out of that blood covenant, now out of that presence comes purpose. Because the first thing God did when you and I got saved, we didn't know we were saved for, for a purpose. We just knew we were saved because we loved God, right? Go back to the days when you first met. It's a love relationship. But the thing that happens to us sometimes is we get so mature. I've got it now, God. (laughs) You've got it, but it's not mine. So you're going to have to take care of it. If you produce an ishmael, you're going to have to take care of ishmael. But if you let the Isaac in your life come forth, God's obligated to take care of it. Do you know God's obligated by covenant to take care of you and me? I can't take care of myself. I've tried. And then it's all about self. See, I say this all the time. We don't have a sin problem. We have a self problem. Now watch this. No flesh can boast in the presence of God. So, if I'm going to spend time in His presence, my flesh doesn't have a voice. I've heard Christians foolishly say, "Boy, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about this." And I'm looking at him and say, "No, you're not. He's going to be doing all the talking. You're going to listen." (laughs) You You know, there's talkers and listeners. I go certain people I, I try not to go out to lunch with them very often because it's a one way conversation. Right? You're through eating, he hadn't even started. And you can't wait till he eats because you don't want to hear him talk anymore. Let me tell you something. Someone who's like that knows nothing about the presence of God. See, the scripture says, be quick to speak and slow to hear. That's what a, that's what a, that's what a talker does. Scripture says, be quick to, slow to. When you think that you have to be the one that says something about yourself, that's not God. Proverbs 27.2, I think it is. Basically says, don't talk about yourself. There it is. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger, uh, you know, and not your own lips. Talkers usually most of their conversation has an I in it. I did this, I did this, this well, it was the Lord doing it through me, but it was this, that, and the other. Let some, let me tell you something. If you want to learn how to live in the presence of God, keep your mouth shut. Let someone else, I mean, about yourself, okay? I mean you can talk, but it ought to be governed by the Spirit. Let someone else brag on you. I've never heard Pastor Rick really talk a whole lot about himself. I really haven't. It's always, rich Pastor Rich, it's this wife the Lord gave me. <laughs> and it's all good. But really I, I and he talks about you he talks about the church he talks about he hardly ever has entered into that conversation about himself unless I ask him like when I first met him you know where'd you go to school we you talk about each other's life and you share about each other and that's how you get to know each other but from, from when you learn to live in God's presence it's not about you it's about him And others and you begin to realize I'm just gonna say this to you I'm gonna be kind of bold if you're a talker two things number one God can make you that way number two you got to learn when to talk and shut up when you learn that you don't talk about yourself anymore you're going to discover you don't have much to talk about. <laughs> that's funny, but that's true. The reason is you're insecure. You don't really understand the one who lives in you, that's with you forever, who's given you his spirit to make you like himself, what it is to be in his presence. And I am going to encourage you in something. Some of you are that way because you're insecure in relationship to God, even though you may have been to Karis, to, uh, and maybe you've graduated, you've done all these things, but there's still an insecurity in you, even though you're trying to understand grace, there's still something in you that has to do something to prove that you're worth something to God. And you don't have to prove anything. What you do is let God prove himself. God is faithful, you're not. The way you become faithful is you respond to God's faithfulness because you're being made into His image and likeness, and who you hang out with is who you will become like. You can walk into a smokehouse. You know where they go in there and everybody has cigars and stuff and they're smoking and you, you could just go in there and sit for a while and you'd come out and you're going to smell like a cigar, right? But if you walk into a perfume factory, man, you're going to come out smelling like perfume. Do you understand? We're the fragrance of Christ. The Lord gave this to in 1984. He said, In my presence, daily live. And from my presence, you'll daily give. And he said, Because whatever presence you live, from that presence you're going to give. So he said, So seek to, to live, my presence to live, and from my presence to the world you will give. And I haven't lived that perfectly, but I understand that if you give me a choice of anything on earth that I could do, it would be to spend time in the presence of God. If I ever ever preach the word again or not, the most important issue is: am I in the presence of God? Because if I'm not ministering out of his presence, if he's not ministering through me, then I'm an echo and not a voice. I mean, I'm educated enough. I, I know the Bible well enough. I, you know, I could never pray again or do anything and, and get up and teach. But without the presence of God, there's no real life in it. And God wants us to impart life because we are living spirits. Now, this is always so good, Pastor Rick. I never even t- planned on saying all of this. I've said this before, but when I first, Dorothy and I, we started pastoring two little churches. Clear out in Holyoke. How many have been at Holyoke, Colorado? Ray, Colorado. Haxton, Colorado. Holyoke. Ray out in the northeastern part that's where Dorothy and I started in a country two country churches and they put a a uh, trailer house one church's wages was six miles away uh, Pleasant Valley was five so they, they took an acre of the pasture and put a trailer house on it and that was our parsonage it was wonderful we loved it and and uh, so we started out in those country churches and um But we learned to trust God, to love God. I didn't know anything about pastoring, but I do know I, know, I just knew I loved Jesus. And I've never deviated from that. Not that I've been perfect. I've been, you know, we all do, like Pastor Duane says, pieces of stupid. When we, when we do our own thing. But I've watched God over my life lead us from place to place, but we we had one heart. Just we just just loved Him, and that's why I'm, I'm be seventy six in June. And I just love the Lord. I love Him more now than I ever have because you see, when you know somebody, you you love Him. And did you know the I think it's uh, John five twenty where it says, well, you can run that, shoot that up there. I want to show you something. This is so powerful. So the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And and, uh, he will show him even greater works than these that you may marvel. In John 15, Jesus said that called us friends because he said the servant doesn't know what the master's doing but the master reveals to a friend everything he's doing and he's talking about if we have if we are a friend with god he shows us all things well this word where the father loves the son is not agape it's phileo god the father let me let me show you what he's saying god the father jesus is saying this about god the father he's saying as his son, I'm his friend. See, God is God of agape. He's also the God of phileo. And Dorothy and I, you, you want to know how come we've lasted 55 years? We're best friends. Because see, agape love won't keep a marriage together. How many of you went out street witnessing? That was not phileo love. That was agape love. You didn't know those people. You they're not an intimate friend to you, right? You don't know them. Friendship is developed over time, and you begin to know that person, and a friend loves at all times. So in a marriage, a lot of Christians think, well, agape love will keep us together. No, it won't. Because, see, agape love loves regardless whether you know somebody or not. But in a marriage, it's phileo love that keeps you together. It's friendship. Dorothy and I are best friends. And in 55 years, you go through the good, bad, and the ugly. Amen. And I'm usually the good, bad, and ugly. You know, she's a good one. (laughs) Dorothy gave me a card. It was our first, one of our anniversaries. It's it's a great, I keep it. She said, it says, our relationship is, is pure and simple. I'm pure and you're simple. <laughs> <laughs> we, we joke about that all the time. We would write each other a note and I'd write it and say, I love you. And I'd sign simple on it. And Dorothy, having no pride, signs her is pure. <laughs> so we have a pure and simple relationship. But it's friendship. It's friendship. And Jesus somehow, when it first says, this is my beloved son, that's agape. Now he moves to phileo because I believe this, that Jesus became just like us. Do you believe that? I want you to hear these words. He had to develop a friendship love with his father. That's why he could say, I call you friends, because I only reveal everything I want to the friend, I don't reveal it to servants. And if you don't, I'm gonna say something pretty maybe hard. If you don't know how to live in the presence of God you don't know how to be a friend of God because you can't hang out with him and not become a friend and he develops it through communication through conversation through trust a friend loves at all times and you know one of the definitions of a friend is that they know everything about you and still love you right do you ever run into some people? The more you get to know them, the more you don't want to be around them. Yeah. <laughs> then there's other people. The more you know them, even though they're wrinkles, you're a friend because you know it's a mutual relationship. Amen. And that's what the presence of God's all about, friendship, not just ministry. I'm going to use an example, Joshua. uh, uh, This is blessing me. I hadn't planned on saying all of this. When Moses, and you don't have to turn there, but um, Moses would go into the tent, the tabernacle, and the, the glory of God would come. And then it said Moses would go out to the people. Joshua, his servant, stayed in the tent. What was happening? Joshua loved the presence of God and God was developing him to be the successor to Moses. But the only way he could do that is he had to love the presence of God as much as Moses did. Because remember, Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. What was he saying? Show me who you are. And, and God said of Moses, Moses is my friend. We talk face to face. And you know that we in the new covenant now, we can talk face to face with the Lord. We forget what it means sometimes, come boldly to the throne of grace. What does that mean? Come into the presence of God. Have a face-to-face re- communication with him. And he'll help you. So Moses or Joshua, turn to chapter 5, verse 13. Now, Joshua. Did I say Moses? I meant Joshua. If you were in the Spirit, you would know. That I met Joshua. <laughs> now, remember the purpose. One of the purposes when the, when the children of Israel went into the promised land was to drive out the inhabitants. Right? That's purpose. So Joshua, it says here in verse 13, when, I'm in the RSV st- version. When Joshua was by Jericho, what does that mean? He was standing there by J- looking at Jericho. And his, he knew the purpose was to take that city. That was the purpose. So what happened to Jericho? Him? He said, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. Imagine Joshua's like, No, what does that mean? No, no, you're not with us. No, you're not with us. What does it mean? No, and, and if you stretch that out, it, what he's saying is, I'm not on your side, I'm not on their side. Are you on my side? Because he said this, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Because we knew the battle wasn't man's, it was God's. But this was the Lord himself before he was incarnate. The reason is because Joshua worshipped him and he wasn't stopped. You don't worship angels. But watch, I want want you to see this. You've got to see some lessons here. And Joshua fell on his faith to the earth and worshipped. Worship is a response to God's presence, if it's true worship. And we know in the body of Christ today, in a church culture, worship cannot really be worship. Now, this church worships. This church loves the presence of God because I know your pastors. But there's a lot of churches that they worship to worship. And the old covenant says, "You love to worship me, but your heart's far from me." There's a lot of Christians that, like Muriel Morell says, "You have smoke machines and skinny jeans." And I don't need skinny jeans. My legs are skinny the way they are. But they're, they're worship, worship. The atmosphere, you create the atmosphere by dimming the lights and the smoke comes up and And I'm not, I, I here my heart, not all of that is wrong, but a lot of it is. Because if you're a true worshiper, I want to show you something. If you're a true worshiper because you're responding to the presence of God like Joshua did, you're not going to walk out of that service and walk back in your flesh. See, the great, you know what the greatest, I uh, say it this way. The presence of God crucifies flesh more than anything else does. Because no flesh can boast in his presence. And a lot of Christians can be carnal. Your pastor calls them meatheads.
1: <laughs>
0: I've read that. I listened to that message. And I said, Dorothy, did you know you're a meathead? <laughs> Pastor Rick said you're a meathead. (laughs) You're carnal. No, I didn't say that to her. Sometimes you want to, right? You just can't do it. But what it means is that, you know, their carnal, their whole life is about their carnal thinking. Even though they're born, even though they can be, quote, just because you speak in tongues doesn't mean you're spirit-filled. It can be a noisy gong. Why? Because they don't know God. It said he that loveth not. You know, if you if, even if you pray in, if praying in tongues is a noisy gong. And you go to First John, it says he that loveth not knoweth not God. So you could put it like this: Though I speak in tongues of angels, men and angels, and know not God, it's just a bunch of clanging noise. I can remove all mountains with my faith, give myself to be burned, give everything away. He went through all the lifts, have faith to remove every mountain. If I can do all the, the things that are, that are, quote, this is what you're supposed to do. But if I don't know God, if, if I don't love, I don't know God, it means nothing. So there's a warning. We can be meatheads. We don't know God. His gifts will still operate. Because they're without, they're without repentance. But your gifts don't validate you. They're they're gifts from God through you to bless humanity. Your purpose is God's purpose in you. He purposed that in your heart. Jesus himself said, if you don't believe my words, believe the works, because it's not I doing the works, it's the Father. Well, it's not me doing the works, it's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we see that that here should be our response when we're like, that's the Lord. It's to fall on our face and worship, fall on our face like Joshua. Look at his, because he's the one that's set in the presence of God. And then it says, what does my Lord bid his servant? In other words, Lord, I'm your servant. Why are you one of me? But listen to what, what he said. And the commander of the Lord's army said, Joshua, put off your shoes from your feet for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Did you notice that, that the Lord did not immediately say, Go and do this? He said, Take your shoes off. Why? Because shoes represented the fall of Adam, whereby man did his own thing. Those sandals were made out of animals because God had to clothe man with the create create with creation, no longer with the creator. And so those shoes represented your self-will, your thing, what you want to do. And, and the Lord was saying, take those off. Let your feet touch so I can guide you. Don't be guiding yourself. That's what those sandals represented. Do you see that? He said, all right, Joshua, here's what you do. I want to take everything off of you that's flesh so that you and I can have a relationship. And those things that keeps you from me are not there anymore. You see that? And then he said, he gave him wisdom how to take Jericho. And he did it in a supernatural way. He said, you know the story. You see Jericho? March around at seven, you know, one time for seven days. March around at six days, actually don't say anything don't gripe and complain it's hot tired I gotta walk around this city I'll be glad when we get around this thing no don't let them talk Joshua and then it got worse I've, I've been thinking about this we saw Jericho we couldn't go in there when we were there because an Israeli had been killed by terrorists so they wouldn't let us go into Jericho but we were a ways off on a mountain and we could see Jericho and I was thought about marching around that thing It'd take you all day almost but then on the seventh day he said now here's what you're gonna do you're gonna march around it seven times I want to tell something to you God's presence is never easy on your flesh Now, if you seek first his kingdom, now he's going to bless you, bless you with a beautiful home or car, whatever you have in your clothes. That's a given if you seek first his kingdom. But God had Mary ride 70 miles on a donkey in her ninth month of pregnancy. Every woman in here should say, my God. I can't, I'm as a man, I can can relate to Joseph leading the donkey, but I can't relate to her sitting up there. A 70-mile trip from Nazareth to to Jerusalem, and then they went to Bethlehem, actually to Bethlehem, on a donkey. So your flesh, here's the thing, our flesh doesn't immediately want to just say yes to what God says. Jesus said the flesh is weak, but the spirit, Spirit's always willing. But when you spend time with him, all of a sudden you have that grace and that love and say, yes, Lord, your will be done, not mine. But it comes out of presence, friendship, relationship. And then he'll tell you to do something that is so illogical to the natural mind That it takes faith to do it. Does that make sense? I mean, if it doesn't take faith to do something, then God's not in it. If you can do it in your strength, God didn't, you know, He may have told you to do something, but you're doing it in your own strength. If Joshua would try to take Jericho by conventional means, you know, we're soldiers, we're gonna go down there, they wouldn't have conquered them, but they did it God's way, and the victory was won. And and I want to encourage you with this, that presence in your life with the Lord, friendship with your God, should always come before your purpose. And if you maintain that truth to live in His presence, the purpose is automatic because it's His working through you. Am I making sense? So this is just when Pastor Rick first talked to me about coming Man, the Lord put this on my heart about Joshua and said, Let sh- show him that model. of, And then all the other stuff was added in there. It was kind of fun, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't planned on all that. Has this touched your heart? Yes. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you stand with me just one minute and I'm going to have Pastor Rick come up. I just want us to do something. Just lift our hands to the Lord. Just say, Lord, Father, thank you. This is all your idea. I just get to be a part of it. The receiving part of it. Because it's not that I love you, but you love me. I want more grace in my life. To first live in your presence. And then I know that you'll fulfill your purpose through me. I love you, Jesus. Amen.
2: There are some here that you have a performance-based relationship on your side with God. When you go before the Lord, your focus is on what you've done. And usually it's the negative. You have a shame-based relationship towards God based on what you've done. And God doesn't base your relationship on what you've done, but on the relationship through the new birth and through his love. He's proud of you. He's, you're valuable to him because he is, he, you are his child. It has nothing to do with what you're doing or what you've done. He just wants to love you, and in marinating in his love for you, sanctifies you, being filled with him and his love, he is love, you, you're filled and receive his love, love has a sanctifying influence, and the things that you're shameful for will break out just being in his presence. Dagon in the Old Testament, the idol of the Philistines, the Ark of the Presence was brought in and put right before it. And it bowed it fell. And they propped it back up. And then another night, it fell again, but its head and its arms were broken off. The head speaks of authority and the hand speaks of power. And you have things in your life that's gripped your life that are idols and and you're like, I'm trying to deal with him, God. I'm ashamed. I don't want to come into your presence. He says, no, come right into my presence and res- as a son, as a child, and let me love you. And that thing will bow. And if you'll keep in my presence, it will break, says the Lord. But that's not the basis of my acceptance is that breaking. You're accepted in the Beloved.
3: You know, I've been, I've been doing the Uber thing, and I get to talk to people all the time. And uh, one of the things I've been realizing is, like the minister was saying today about a relationship, having a relationship with Jesus, building your trust in Him. And it doesn't matter what circumstances you're facing. It doesn't matter what's going on. God is still with us. God will guide us through whatever situation we're going through. And whatever you're battling with right now, God will get you through it. And I just want to pray for those that are struggling with circumstances. Um, Father, I just thank and praise you, Lord. I thank and praise you, Lord, that you're with us always. That every morning we can get up and say, this is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And it doesn't matter what circumstances comes our way, God, you are with us. And I just pray for those that are dealing with circumstances that they don't know what to do, that they can just call on you, and you will guide them through it. And I give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.